What I do is inconsequential. Why I do what I do is I get to shorten people's journeys every day. What I love about our hospitality industry is that it's our mission to make people feel cared for while on their journeys. Together, we'll explore what hospitality means in the built environment, in business, and in our daily lives. I'm Dan Ryan, and this is Defining Hospitality. Today's guest is a renowned designer and innovative thinker, a creative entrepreneur, investor, and cultural ally, a leader at the cutting edge of the intersection between art, technology, and cities, founder of Deem Journal, Art Matter, Open Docs, Open Box, and the Urban Ocean Lab. Also, a point of note, the first interview I ever did many, many years ago, which kind of gave me the bug to be where we are right now. Also, uh, a fellow dad friend who I think I first met playing basketball with our kids at the Y on 14th Street. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, Marquise Stilwell. Wonderful to be here. Thanks so much, Dan. Always good to see you and be reconnected, even if it's just over video. Well, and, and I just, before we started this, I just wanted to take a minute and just like look at your face because like, I just remember seeing you waiting in line at school or just walking well, around or whatever. And I just, yeah. there's so many of those connections that are not planned that I miss. And you were yeah. definitely one of them. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I miss our neighborhood and just the random moments and, you know, whether I'm coming out of Cafe Grumpy, you know, and, and, and seeing the dog and you guys and um, yeah, we've missed those moments. So um, it's, it's good to reconnect. It's amazing to reconnect. And again, I say this a lot, but the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago or today. So here we are today. <laughs> love it. Love it. I love that today. Um, and also I, I made a last minute decision not to go to Vegas when you were there recently. And, uh, I missed the panel you were on, but I heard it got some great fanfare and a lot of, a lot of great excitement around that, um, at the hospitality design show in Las Vegas. So, and thank you for being a part of our community and hotels as well. Yeah, no, I, I, hospitality is, is so important. I, I would say it's even more integrated though it is quote an industry. I also appreciate the fact that it's the fabric of everyday life, right? It's, it's not some just industry out on its island that you rarely um, engage with. I feel like it's something that you consume every single day, um, whether you just happen to be walking by a hotel or you're going to a restaurant or you're sitting next to someone that is in the service industry. We're all, we've all been affected by, you know, what's been going on in the last couple of years. And I particularly believe that the hospitality industry is a space that has affected us all and we all need to pay attention. I couldn't agree more. And in doing all of these conversations and coming up with my definition or aggregate definition of what I see hospitality as, you know, it's, it's, it's really about just being a person and connecting with people yeah. and, and how do you do that? And what's really amazing about it is whatever you can learn in our industry as an island, if you look at it an island, it's transferable to everything. It's about listening. It's about seeing. It's about caring for others and doing service. Um, it's, it's this intersection of all these things. Like you're oh. the intersection of art, technology, and cities, right? But hospitality is the intersection between just, I think, humanity. Absolutely. I wouldn't be here without, you know, my job in college, I worked at the Ramada and Hotel that was my college job I didn't for, know that yeah yeah for a long time and I was the birth as the bell man the door you know I'd pick people from the airport I worked behind the desk um, when we got crazy busy I folded towels ate all back to housekeeping you know worked in the restaurant um, when there was a big convention you know we needed somebody in the back helping out so what I love was that there were so many things going on in a hotel at one time. And I was able to see it all and touch it all just because of just the time period we were living in when I was in school. But I also, that's, that's a bit of what I love about even our relationship and, and, and what it means to live in New York City and walk around and have neighbors and just be involved, like you're in it. And, and I feel like hospitality, particularly hotels, are like these little cities. They're 24 hours. They never stop, right? There's 24 hours worth of activity going on. 
and it's like a little tiny city. And I learned so much from my job um, during my college years, which is what has led me to what I'm doing today. And to tap into that learning, one of the, one of the main question I ask everyone who comes on is like, based on all that learning, and I want to get into that tiny city metaphor, because I love that. Um, how do you define hospitality and what you've learned and on, on your journey now? Hospitality to me is, is putting people at the center of everything. And that hospitality is, is service plus, right? Because there's one thing to serve someone, right? You hand them something, but to actually serve the person and to care about them, to anticipate needs, um, to think about the whole person, right? So when I was working at this hotel, there was a lot of people that would, these were business travelers and they were there every week, Monday through Thursday, they'd get on a plane and go back to wherever they go. And then they would come back again over. They basically lived at our hotel and being able to be sensitive to their needs similar to the needs of someone on vacation who has saved money over months and years to come down to this particular location and be able to spend time with their family. What are those needs? So it's putting, hospitality to me is putting people at the center of service. I love that. And when you think about this kind of little city metaphor and doing all of the things from, you said, from folding towels to driving the shuttle van to just being there for, for a guest, um, was there any instrumental or super influential individual in that learning within the hotel that got you to this realization? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely people who I watched and they guided me. Um, there's a gentleman by the name of Michael Winbush who was very much instrumental in understanding people's needs and understanding the simple things like this person always wants extra towels or this person wants extra pens and paper in their room because that's the way that they work and anticipating that um, and knowing um, what those needs were and, and never going, oh, that's so simple, why? Like it's the simple things that matter most. Um, and so for us, it's making sure we're showing up. And also, you know, when I was at the hotel, everyone wore a tie, everyone had to wear a suit. And so there was a particular approach, a business approach. I'm not saying that that look and feel is, is still important today, but I'm using it as an example to say our presentation and how we actually uh, approached our job was with this seriousness of service and creating this full circle of service was what was really important. And that's what I got from that, that job. And another thing that resonated with me as you were talking where you did all of these different things, it's even more prevalent right now because all of the hotels are so understaffed right now yeah. and yeah. occupancy is so down and they're, they're kind of just, everyone's doing everything. You have heads of rooms checking in people, you know, <laughs> yeah. you have, yeah. you have, you have bellmen folding uh, folding towels and yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It seems like it maybe Vegas. nothing has changed. I saw when I was in Vegas. I, I mean, just at the restaurant, people. The same person that was checking me in was bringing me my food, and you know, it's it's interesting because in some ways it's a a double edge um, challenge where I think we've lost some of that edge when it came to. Um, the people that we're used to. So when you'd go to, whether it's Cafe Grumpy or a bodega or a hotel, and you have that person that you know all the time that, that gets you, and it, it's a, there's a sense of comfort. So we've lost those people, right? So that's why we're, we're, we have to double up when it comes to individual capacity. Um, while at the same time, I think it's an opportunity because a lot of times you're, you're in a silo and you don't get to do much. I was always an entrepreneur. Like I, I'm an entrepreneur now, but I was always an entrepreneur, meaning that inside of a company, I was always willing and desiring to do many things. And I think that's really important, this idea of apprenticeship, which I mean, taking off a little track, but I think the opportunity is the fact that a lot of the executives of the future may not have ever been a doorman, may have never been a front desk person. They went to business school, they learned all these things, and so all of a sudden now they're at an executive level. They didn't put the 10, 15 years in to grow all the way up to GM and then GM. 
to actually executive or owner. And I think that that makes a difference when I actually know what it means to <laughs> clean a bathroom toilet in a hotel and do the things that a lot of people have never done and then grow my career to be an entrepreneur because I know that I've done a lot of, you know, pun intended, the dirty work and a lot of people I, who are not. I actually have never heard the word intrapreneur before. And I love that. And to tie it back to getting into hospitality, the skills are transferable to everything. You, you get to touch finance, operations, yeah. guests. Yes. It's, it's like a little laboratory, you see, a little exactly. city, little laboratory where it's all happening. Absolutely. Um, you know, the GM there during the summer times, I would do, <laughs> I created my own internship there during the summertime and basically worked hand in hand with the sales department. So the general manager would allow me to work with the sales department to do research around the city. Basically, what I would do is drive around the city looking at other hotels. And this is pre-Google and all those things, I would look at what other companies are actually coming there with like conferences and seeing if we can cherry pick any of those companies that are going to the other hotels and seeing how I can help to drive that business to the sales team. And I just made that up, you know, with the GM and said, hey, this is what I would love to do. But because he saw that I was willing to roll my sleeves up, he saw me in the kitchen, he saw me doing other things, he was willing to give me an opportunity to step into something that was definitely not qualified to do in regards to sales, but it allowed me to see something that I had never seen before. And it's been transferable to me being an entrepreneur. So in doing all of these conversations I've been having, I've heard two types of general managers to use that as like, yeah. the, you know, the CEO of this little city yeah. or business, right? Yeah. And one kind is like, Oh, that's a great idea. Put it in a suggestion box for when you're a general manager, right? <laughs> right, right, right. And then the other, the other one, and this, again, this is why I think these conversations apply to everything. The other general manager is, that's a great idea. How can you execute this? Let's see what you can do. And it's basically enabling and saying, get out there and do it. Yes, yes. And I was lucky enough to have that. Um, I was lucky enough to have... And it, it was one of those things. It's the Rada Ramada Inn um, University Hotel. Uh, in Columbus? Yes in, yes, in Columbus, Ohio. So <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm a Buckeye. And so uh, it, it, I think because there was a lot of students and there was an energy there, um, I think that it, it helped to feed in, into that. Um, seeing us young students really you know, wanting to help and be a part of the community. I also believe like it was um, the state of the times as well, where um, everything has become even more cookie cutter um, and in trying to scale um, hotels in a way, and I'm sure you know, we can dive into the mini city of, of cookie cutter. But I think that now that we're in such that state and there's we're, now we're, you're seeing the push up against when it comes purpose built and having more community because one thing that's really important to a lot of the work we do at Open Box is, is, is showing how communities should be involved. Um, and I believe that purpose-built hotels and restaurants that actually reflect the community are the ones of the future. And uh, I think and that- yeah. I really want to dig into this one because I remember we had a conversation a while ago. I think it was at one of the ILC confabs where so often these in, even independent hotels, it's almost like a, a like a Mars lander that lands yeah. somewhere. And then it's like this bubble, this hermetically sealed bubble that's like, oh, we're here. But I want to hear more about like the work that you're doing as this, the intersection between art, technology and cities, because I think this is exactly what a hotel is. No, absolutely. And, and really for us, the, that intersection, the core of that intersection is all about people and people make up a neighborhood. And having neighborhoods. If you think about the history of hotels are actually been in neighborhoods, right? They were above a pub or next to somewhere. And it was like a traveler that would stop and they'd be integrated into the community. And that pub that served as maybe an initial Airbnb or a larger hotel was where the city centered around. And then we got to a place where we started to separate the people that were travelers from the people who lived there. 
And we started creating these cookie cutter places where you couldn't actually um, integrate it nicely. And so we, I believe we lost a lot of the experience of travel. And I do, I do believe that the, what's really core in the work that we do is trying to bring those two things together to make sure that the experience that you feel as a traveler is the same experience and respect that neighbors feel when you come into town. And that there is a bit of storytelling that happens between the two, meaning that the neighbors can see their, themselves and the respect of that, that new place in their neighborhood and the people who are traveling there get to see something different. Like, why do I wanna to continue to stay in the same hotel that looks exactly the same in Austin as it does in San Francisco? Mm-hmm. Like, why even go somewhere? My dad would love staying at, he loved staying at those hotels that were the same everywhere. So he knew where the iron was, he knew where this <laughs> was. but like, yeah. I am not my no, dad. No, I don't want that. Yeah. I want to, you want to experience. And I really believe that, you know, it's a lot of people can argue what Airbnb has or has not done to the industry. But one thing that I can say about it is that as someone who has, who uses both, who consumes both hotels and Airbnbs, I do enjoy the process of getting to know and feel the experience of, of a neighborhood and someone else's home. And I do believe that there's something there when it comes to that, that intersection of what it means to feel very local um, and, and connected with the neighborhood. I agree wholeheartedly. And a little story that is making me yeah. think of is we moved to Connecticut so we're out yeah. of the neighborhood, right? Yeah, yeah. And I was talking to my youngest, Annabelle, and she said, oh, I, I really miss New York City. And I said, well, what do you miss about it? She's like, well, dad, I just miss walking with you. And you would just talk to random people on the street and just be like, and, yeah. and just get to know them. Yeah. Where, you know, out of the city, I miss that. And I do believe that hotels as this intersection, it does offer a, a forum for these collisions. Absolutely. I call it, you know, creating the conditions to be surprised, right? And when you create the conditions, which is what we do as designers, right? Our job is to create better conditions, whether it's, you know, the proximity to you turning off a light or, you know, the softness of your bed. It's also, you know, things like the lobby. It's also the location. So when I go to a networking event like Las Vegas, that's why I'm going there, right? I'm, I'm hoping to meet people that I may have never been able to meet and they've created this density of network, right? And so we serve, that's what hotels are there to serve is to create these conditions to be surprised. But when it's built and designed in a way to just facilitate movement and logistics of people in and out of their room and into a restaurant and back in and and all the rooms look the same, it's losing its soul. It's losing its, its purpose. Is, is what I really believe. And I think I can't, that we have to get back to that. I can't agree more. And the thing that just jumped out of your mouth at me was this whole idea of density of network. So two things I've never heard, intrapreneur, and I've never heard, <laughs> I've, and I, maybe it's because I'm not a, a machine learner or computer. Time, right? I mean, New York yeah. is, is like the density of network. I mean, you know, you and I are around the corner from each other. We would run into each other and see, and we would run into different people because we were walking. Yes. Right. And now you're in cars and you don't get to have that, that moment, um, totally spontaneous moment. And that's what, you know, your daughter was explaining, but she, there is something there that even kids miss. I could, yes. And the, the density of network, one of the reasons why I like talking to random people on the street is I feel like every person I'm speaking to, like for you, Marquise, I'm talking to you right now, you are my gateway to your whole universe as far as how you see it, the lens through you see yeah. it, all of your connections. The person, the next person that I'm talking to, I, that's my connection to their whole universe. That's it's, right. It's like every person is a connection to a whole different universe and a whole Absolutely. different perspective. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's where you start to see my other little saying I call the proximity of luck, right? Mm-hmm. And so the proximity of luck is that you and I met, you introduced me to ILC. Through ILC, I've met these other individuals. Through that, it ended up me being on a panel in Las Vegas this week, right? And so yeah. all these things, the proximity, 
right? Which is, is dependent on the density of the network that allows us to actually build within that network all these conditions to be surprised, right? Yes. So it's, a, it's a full system that is really important. And that's what makes, you know, cities like New York special and hotels and, and the hospitality, we're the host of that, right? Mm -hmm. So the core of service is the host. And when I go to a restaurant, I don't want to be sitting in that restaurant every like by myself. I love a bustling restaurant. I love yep. the energy, the clinking of glasses, the music, the people. Even if you're just people watching, it's just very beautiful to be able to feel that density within the network and seeing the proximity of luck that you may sit next to somebody that may be your next, whatever that is. Well, as you're talking about proximity of luck, you're like my you're like my lucky charm in that respect, because again, my first interview I ever did was with you randomly. Yeah. I think Andrew yeah. Benioff asked me to do yeah. it, yeah. Yeah. but I, I, fucking, I fucking loved it so much. <laughs> it was so awesome. And then it let me on to do all these yeah. other things. And now to hear where we are. And another one that um, I had forgotten about, but as you were talking and I forgot about Ohio for some reason, yeah. uh, you were in DC at the same time as I was. We went yeah. out to dinner with Larry Traxler. Yeah, and yeah. it turns yeah, out exactly. that you guys, you went, guys yeah, were, we, went to the same high school together? Yeah, we were same we, town. We, yeah, same town. He's just like not even 10, 15 minutes from where I grew up. Um, so we're right there. And I saw I saw him in, in Vegas as well. And and you're right. It's like these moments where the proximity of luck strikes. Yeah. It's like, oh, would love to work with you. And, and we already have a connection, right? And he and I could go into a conversation about how we grew up and where we grew up. And though we may say, come from different sides of a, of a track, at a certain point in your career, those tracks disappear. And that's the beauty. And, and then having someone like you that helps to facilitate and bring in someone like myself, because, you know, the, the other conversations that we've had, you know, around race and, you know, social justice and all those things that have been at the forefront of conversation, you know, one thing is really true is the question of how do you actually get people into the industry? How do you actually bring new faces in? And to me, what I love is the fact that when someone can ask you that question, you can answer it with my favorite answer is that I actually have black friends, right? Mm -hmm. Like I actually have somebody that I know as a friend and I can call and I can reach out. You don't have to like really work and think like, oh, well, where do I even start, right? Because what's key is this proximity to people that are different than yourself that helps to expand the nodes in your network. And that's, again, what we love about New York City, what I love about hotels, what I love about restaurants, is that it's these intersections of people that are come from different worlds that I get to exchange with. And I think that that's something else that you and I have talked about. And what I appreciate about you is that you're always willing to reach out, regardless of who they are, what they look like. Yeah. And, and actually, uh, in doing this podcast as well, I have to say that you through ILC and like some of the comments of some of the panels that were up there or even other panels that you were referring to, like, you're like, I'm not going to go do a panel if there's no woman on it, right? Yeah. I'm not yeah. going to go do it if yeah. there's no this, no that. Yeah. And I, I, and it changed my mind to think about, okay, it's so easy to go talk to the people we know, right? Yeah. But what harm comes from putting in a little bit of effort to change the perspective and get more diverse opinions. And that's one of the things I love so much about ILC yeah. is that they made such a tremendous effort from years ago to yeah, promote that diversity of idea, of sex, of race, of gender, yeah. of sexual orientation to where like, to me, it's like, okay, the more we can do that, the faster we can get to this idea of a Star Trek future where it's like hair, yeah. like who cares, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. And that's, that's what I go back to with creating conditions to be surprised. And we need the hospitality right now as a place where we need to rethink our model. I mean, restaurants, we're already struggling. Uh, we need to rethink that model. We need to make it more human and, and people-centered. We need to make sure that people can afford to live and work off of their salary. Uh, we need mm -hmm. to do the same thing in hotels. We need to make sure that the, the front staff 
is, is just as respected as the, the office staff and that they have a livable wage. I mean, I don't know that that's a, a, a larger conversation, but it, it goes to every aspect of what it means to serve. Mm-hmm. If you're in the service industry and you're providing food and you're serving food and you can't even afford the food you are serving, that's a problem. You're totally. not going to serve it with love. Why would you? If, if you're like passing all these plates around of steak and potatoes and vegetables and you're going home eating a bowl of cereal. Mm. I, I'm going there because when you think about service and putting people at the center of service, and that's the core of hospitality, hospitality has to begin with making sure the people who serve are, be, are, are part of the hospitality of this, the full cycle of hospitality within the business of what we do. And that's and I, a challenge. I, and I, and again, I think all of that, I've heard you say love and it's yeah. other conversations as being yeah, yeah, open hearted. Yeah. And it's like, hospitality is that opportunity to have these collisions increase the proximity of luck which i love that because if you're not colliding yeah you're not moving the ball forward right That's but right. it it's it's tapping into that heart wave i, I don't know i sound like some uh no but it it is yeah i mean people are living sleeping i mean it's a 24-hour city mm-hmm. the hospital hotels are 24 hours little mini cities and a lot is happening in those tiny little cities. Mm. And if it isn't respected at the human level, then all we're doing is creating these conveyor belts of moving, you know, beds, heads to beds, heads to beds, and, and just moving them in and out. And what's the number, what's your occupancy rate, all those different things. And people are going to get tired of that, and especially this younger generation. Mm-hmm. And if, the, if, if we don't change our models quickly, and I don't know if it's Airbnb or whoever, but, but it's going to change. And it's also hospitality and getting away. The conveyor belt to me is the same thing. It's like, okay, we're all looking at our screens all the time, right? How yeah. do we put that down and really foster a connection? So if you put the conveyor belt on one side, yeah. as far as, okay, this is just phoning it in, yeah. average delivery, right. um, search back in your memory banks, like what is the best experience of hospitality that comes to your mind that you've ever, ever experienced? What I love about traveling and, you know, you and I have, you know, kind of a similar story, like, you know, 150,000 miles a year, we're traveling all around <laughs> the world. And, you know, one of the most important things is sleep. And what I love, it's not just the bed and, and my ability to get a good night's sleep because it's quiet, it's the process to which I get there. And so when I walk into a hotel and there's particular hotels around the country, around the world that I stay at often because I walk in and whether they know my name or not, some of them do, some of them don't, they at least acknowledge that somehow I, I belong there and that they're happy to see me. Mm-hmm. And that, sets me at ease and so that's the first level of ease that it sets me to and then the ability to walk into the lobby because the lobby is also could be a very scary um, place for both women and minorities so for me the lobby experience is tough because there have been many times that I've walked into out of my car this happened to me in Detroit I get out of my car I'm walking into the hotel and someone throws me their keys because they think I'm the the bellman or the valet that's happened three times it happened in nashville <laughs> it's happened in denver it's, it's happened in detroit and i know it won't be the last time point is is that that intersection for a lot of women and minorities is a really tough so as a designer how might we design this space for for the visuals now obviously there are constraints right mm-hmm. not every hotel can be built the same but the hotels that really make me feel great is when I walk into a very open lobby that allows everyone to see the full picture of what's going on. And then areas where I can actually sit and, and actually have either a private moment to do some work or an open where I can actually see. Again, this is what I like. I like the lounge. These are things that allow me 
to also take on different types of meetings. It's not a, a place where you necessarily need to have food, you can have a drink. So having those places that allow for that. And then the next level of it is something that some people take for granted, but it's the smell. It's like those little things like putting, designing, making sure that the hotel has a scent or a smell that's calming and relaxing, mm. right? And so when you're able to do all the senses, I think that creates some of the best conditions. And for me, it's the head, heart, and hands approach to how we actually, as designers, look at those opportunities to make sure that people feel welcomed and they, they belong. Ah, oh, I love that. So it's almost like you're on this gentle descent to sleep, even yes. though you're not going to sleep, but it's like, yeah, here's your routine. Here's your, your, however yeah. you, we all have a routine to fall asleep. Yeah. Yeah. But it doesn't start at the bed. It starts with all the things that allow you to feel like you belong. It's also interesting because one of the biggest innovations in the past 20 years, and it was almost 20 years ago or more than, it was this heavenly bed that Weston did. And it was all about sleep. And I'm like, and it, yeah. I don't know how many innovations there actually have been around that. But if you think about it, you're mostly at a hotel to go to sleep. So you'd think they put some more time into figuring out how to do it. And the only other company that I've really seen putting sleep at the forefront is Equinox. They have, yeah. it's like part of their whole design yeah. group. Like it's yeah. how do we get to sleep? Yes, yes. It's it's so important. Um, and I, I know that, you know, some hotels, whether you know, like the, the addition or others, um, you know, they have the strong scent, right? Mm -hmm. And scent is the strongest memory that we have, um, right? It's, it's the strongest trigger. And when you go to a place that smells a certain way, it does put you at ease. It's a familiar mm -hmm. smell. And it allows you to say, oh, I've been here before. Or I feel good about where I'm at. And that's also something that I would just add as someone who travels a lot that sometimes is overlooked. Um, that's really important. You're totally making me think of a talk that I don't remember if it was Samantha or Don Goldworm from 1229. Oh, Don, yeah, of course. They're my friends. Yeah, we're yeah. friends with those guys. They're actually cousins with a really, really good friend of mine as well, really? Adam Goldberg. I'll give him a oh, shout nice, out. Oh, nice, nice. But they, they have, I think it's also a TED Talk, but I saw her do it in person and I've been out to dinner yeah. with her where, where she talks about it. And it's like um, the scent, as you're going through a life experience, yeah. the scent is what ties your body to the actual environment Absolutely. you're in. Absolutely. So when you think about memories and setting memories and you have those Prostian, the scent, um, you smell that thing that brings you back to a childhood memory. It's that scent that's that like rocket ship back in your memory. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I mean, again, you know, we're, we're designers. We see the world in a particular lens and it's those little tiny simple details that matter the most. And mm -hmm. again, if we put people back into the center of hospitality and it's about serving people, how do we actually serve all their senses? How do we think mm -hmm. about how people are feeling? What's the emotion of, of, you know, on a flight for 12 hours, getting off, getting a text message that you didn't want to get, having to call this family member, do the, all the things that we have to do. People think that traveling is like, oh my God, this is so fun. You get to get away. No, I don't get away from anything. <laughs> if anything, it's more concentrated because I'm out on my own and I'm traveling, I'm pulling my bags. It's, it's raining or whatever else is doing. And I want to be able to walk in somewhere and feel like I can be home. I'm yeah. not at home, but I can be home. I will say, going back to the sleep part and this whole idea of, recovery. I don't yes. think we said recovery, yeah. but really that's what it is. And yeah, have no, to I agree take that you. time. Yeah, I agree but with you. When you said 150,000 miles a year, I never thought I'd say this, but I actually miss that. Like it's not happening to that level. And the reason why I, I found since all, the whole world, as we've yeah. gone through, is like, I don't have that recovery time as much. I'm meetings all day. Yeah. Like there's none of that time to and from yeah. the airport. There's none of that time in the thing, in the plane or yeah, there's just no time or less time to recover. And I find myself getting really tired 
uh, yeah, yeah, in, the yeah, in the later afternoons when, when, when at the time that matters most with my family. Yeah. And you know what the other thing is, is that we don't get as many impressions over and over again. To me, it's almost like back in the day when you computers would concatenate, like you have to go, you have to turn your computer off so that you can run through the system. And for me, sitting at Horatio Park or sitting at, you know, you, you name it, Madison Square Park, and just relaxing sometimes and just like having like in between meetings is mm -hmm. so refreshing because I feel like I'm just watching dogs and life and, and all that. And I'm just kind of recovering. Mm -hmm. And that's what parks are for, right? And so, you know, you, you have the, the soundscape of water in the back that helps to balance out the honking horns and, and create some matter. But if you go to Madison Square Park, it is a place of recovery. And discovery yeah. right and and that to me is what hospitality needs to borrow from right it's a similar mm -hmm. intersection that big parks like that have and what is it what is it for me to be able to sit on a bench feel safe feel like i belong and be able to recover right yeah and those are the, the places and it's simple it's just a park bench some trees some squirrels Ambient noise, <laughs> ambient right? noise, right? And I think less is more when it comes mm -hmm. to hospitality and all the bells and whistles of, like you say, technology and, you know, smart TV and smart this and that, um, all the extras that they think is necessary in a hotel. To me, it's, it's pretty simple. Give me good people who are paid well because they care about their job and, and they care about their job. Um, a great lobby experience, some good food, and a good place to sleep, mm. right? And so you can feel at ease. Yeah, that to mm. me is the conditions for hospitality mm. to go to the next level. So, uh, okay, so we're, we've been through a pandemic, we're in the middle of it. So aside from that, like, yeah. let's take the pandemic, let's put it in a in a, in a ball and move it aside right now. Yeah. What's keeping you up at night right now? I mean, what's keeping me up right now? Um, you know, I do a lot of work in um, sustainability mm -hmm. and, you know, the climate and climate change. And I think you were in Miami. We were in Miami together. Did you go to the ILC down in Miami? Yep. And um, I was part of the panel around sustainability and the environment really great conversation and you know there's another hurricane tropical storm that's brewing right now as you know as we speak and i'm really concerned about not only what it's going to do um, for our coastline and for you know the, the world at large but what is it going to do for our industry and what are we doing to plan for that mm. right um the dirty word right now is always you know, manage retreat and, and what does that actually mean to actually just get out of the way and move, mm -hmm. right? And so, you know, we need to start to have better conversations about, about that. You're gonna see um, climate gentrification, which is basically the movement of one group of individuals into a, a, another neighborhood and moving those people out. You're, you're seeing that in Little Haiti and places like that in Miami right now because they're at the higher ground level than say Miami Beach. And so all those wealthy individuals who are leaving the Miami Beach area are moving inland and they're actually causing climate gentrification within certain neighborhoods. That's another one I haven't heard. You're yeah. full of them today, climate yeah. gentrification. Yeah. So wow, it's, it's almost like an in, intra-city refugee situation. Well, absolutely, right? absolutely. And then, you know, the inverse of that, of course, are the climate migrants who are having to leave because they are, they you know like what we what we're seeing in Portland, Oregon, right? Mm. With the fires, um, you're already seeing people who are having to leave. A whole town has to leave and move um, into mobile homes or motels, and almost permanently move there. Um, permanently mm. to me is if you're there for more than one year, like your way out and your way to a new life has has just been totally disrupted, and so what is our role in that. Me as a designer, I think about that every day. And then, you know, as it pertains to hospitality, I do believe that we need to play an important role 
when it comes to climate change. Everything to the simplicity of plastics and you know all of those things that we can do on a day-to-day -day basis, all the way up to where are we locating the next hotel? Where are we mm -hmm. developing? Because we're one of the biggest developers in the world. Mm. Yeah, um, I've been seeing, and I've talked about this a bunch, but where sustainability about 10 years ago, it was everyone was talking about it. Then it kind of went away. Now it's really coming back. And I think the reason why it's coming back is it, it's not like climate change has gone anywhere. It's still here, <laughs> right. Right? right? But I feel like there's a follow the money kind of thing. And I don't know what happened, but this whole idea of ESG, investing, environmental uh, yeah. and social governance. Is, yeah. yeah. Um, all of the big investment firms and banks, their investors and their customers are saying, well, this is important to us. So how can we show a measurable number that this is making a difference? And there's some interesting companies, like one is MindClick as it pertains to our industry in particular, that's yeah. doing some really cool jobs or some cool projects about it. But I do feel like there is this tip into here. I also, as we were talking about it, I think about, you know, to talk about that Star Trek future, I was listening to this one interview with um, Neil deGrasse Tyson, who's this astrophysicist yeah, yeah. from the Museum of Natural History. Yeah, he's great. He was, he was saying, look, if, if in the next 50, 100, 500 years, I don't remember what the period was, if we humans can't figure out how to be better to our earth and also geoengineer so we can yeah. have some kind of a control over it, he's like, then I've, uh, I'm really upset and I, I'm crestfallen, but uh, he like if you really think of the human spirit and ingenuity and focus if we have an idea to do something we've always proven we can do it absolutely i mean you look at the vaccine you look at how quickly we were able to turn that um regardless of what side of the divide you're you're on that is unbelievable that we could turn it that fast and get mm -hmm. to a place where we are able to have a drug to help us get through this um the, the challenge with climate change isn't to me, the argument of whether it's here or not, we know it's here. What we don't know right now is how fast it's gonna hit us. Yeah. So it's the speed from which it's happening. And so, you know, we, we, we're gonna have another Sandy in New York area. Just, we don't know when, we don't know how fast it's gonna hit. With that said, we do have an opportunity to, to work every single day to get ahead of that. Because again, when it comes to our industry and what we do, it's about putting people at the center of service, making sure that people feel safe and make the wrong. And part of that is us also thinking beyond our singular industry and seeing the effects that we're having on everyone else. And I do believe that we need to elevate our responsibility when it comes to climate change. And also going back to that idea of proximity of luck, if hotels really are kind of these cauldrons or crucibles where you can turn up the volume on proximity of luck and collisions yeah. and ideas and showing it in a great way. Like I think SH Hotels has done a great job about that. It, it, it transcends into the minds of everyone there and it, it becomes part of everyone's zeitgeist and where we're going and how we're doing it. And it helps us all be more thoughtful. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that in doing that, I think to your, was it the Star Trek in that? The Star Trek future. Star Trek future. <laughs> <laughs> will be a beautiful one. <laughs> I hope so. Uh, yeah. I really hope so. I don't know when it comes or where, and I don't know if we have to rescue whales from a different galaxy at some point or however, but, yeah. but we're going to get there. So, but speaking of the future, the, the Star Trek future is the one that excites me. Um, what's exciting you most right now about the future as Marquise sees it? You know what? One thing that I, I think is a real positive that's come out of this moment we're living in right now is the openness and willingness for people to collaborate. Mm -hmm. And I really feel that, that this idea of not only have we moved away from a need for office spaces, the way that we need office space, so that brick and mortar idea, and I think it's going to come back, but I think it's going to be reimagined. You know, the, you know, the future of work is just going to be more transitory, right? It's going to be kind of in and out, and you're going to kind of decide on how many days you go in, how many days you're working from home. Because I certainly miss going into the office and seeing people the same way that I enjoyed being able to do this. And I think that that's what collaboration is going to look like. Um, not everyone's going to need 
to have just their own balance sheet and their own business and their own focus, I think that there's going to be ways for us to collaborate. And I think the future is, you know, these different types of joint ventures and collaborations that allow us to go into projects together, which is one thing that I, I really, really love about the work that we do, whether it's, you know, going after an RFP for an opportunity or, you know, collaborating with Curioso and, you know, Nina and the team on things. And so I've just been meeting so many people that are so much more open to collaborating, jumping on Zoom, mm -hmm. doing this, because I think we've pulled down the walls of the brick and mortar to a place where we understand that it's us, it's the people. It's not the office space. It's not the brick and mortar. It's not hanging your name up on the door. It's how do we connect to get things done? Especially for designers and creative people, it's not like you're you're getting a a, a dose of inspiration between nine and five, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. Like when do when do your best ideas come to you? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Ah. Yeah, for me, I love my mornings. I love when I can wake up early and I can get my best contemplation. Um, and then I do get a, another quick kickstart, you know, say around nine or 10 o'clock sometimes. And, you know, there's moments where I'd, I'd go out and, you know, walk down to say Soho and have a drink or whatever and just kind of meander back up to our neighborhood and, Sometimes I would just sit and I, you know, get on my phone or write something down, and it was just those those in between moments, right? It's the white mm -hmm. space, right? It's yeah. the space in between the thing that is so much more powerful. And I love and I miss the white space of contemplation because mm -hmm. that's when my biggest ideas happen. Yeah, it's that like tabula rasa or the clean yeah. ultimate creative space. Yes. And then how do you and your team? Like, do you do things for you and your team to kind of clear the deck so you can get to that creative space? Like, how do you, how do you yeah. kind of force that to happen? You know, I, I think, again, the other piece of the change that's happened is um, checking in on mental health. And I mm. think, you know, I, I just got off the phone a few a moments ago with one of the directors. And before we start into the what of the conversation, it's how are you feeling? You know, and because of isolation, because of the things that we've all been through, my hope, and, and again, maybe it's, you know, a smaller group, but I'm hoping that there's a wider group of individuals who are recognizing mental health and the importance of actually checking in with your team and seeing how they're doing. And that to me is how you create those conditions to be surprised, because if they are allowed to be human, right, right, the core of this conversation is that putting people at the center, humans at the center of service, if people can actually be feel human, then they will continue to serve at the next level. And so for me, the team, it's about creating those conditions that allow them to feel human, allow them to feel seen. And then from there, once we set that intention, it starts to flow. And I'm getting better at Zoom. I'm definitely a person that struggled for a while because I like to see people and you know, their expressions and be in the room together. Um, but I think that I'm getting a lot better at doing this. Um, and then I think it enhances when we do see each other in person. Um, you know, when I was in Las Vegas and I got to see people I've only seen on Zoom, it was like, hey, what's happening? And, you know, and it was just like next, next level. And so with our team, we've been able to set intentions around first recognizing them and making sure that they're okay. And I think in creating a safe space for open dialogue, it allows us to get to those creative juices. Mm. Um, on the feeling part and checking in, I, I went to this retreat and you know, working on empathy and all of yeah. this kind of cool stuff. It was really super deep work. Uh, it's called the Hoffman process. It was oh, really yeah, awesome. Hoffman. Yeah, yeah, that's great. You it was amazing. You jumped in yep. the ice. Uh, no, that's Wim Hof. Hoffman oh, that's Wim process. Hof. That's right. Okay, that's right. That's, that's Wim Hof. Oh yeah, right. I've I've yeah, done yeah. Wim Hof. This thing yeah, is called Wim the Hof. Hoffman process. That's the Hoffman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've jumped in the ice. I still take cold showers, but <laughs> um, on this Hoffman process, a cool thing, and it was actually there. They wrote. Uh, they had a write up in the New York Times, and it's just checking in with your feelings. Like, what are your feelings? Yeah. So it's if someone says, "Oh, I'm fine" or "I'm good," that's not a feeling, right? So they have this whole sheet of feelings, and it's like I like with my family, I printed out and we get, I'm like, how are you feeling? I'm good. No, 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 no. 
give me a good one here. That's but right. when you really kind of push back on people and say, no, how are you really feeling? And then you're listening. That's right. It does so much more. Yeah. I mean, that's how you get to the creative juices. And, and you know, I, that's why I, I really appreciate our friendship because men, we're horrible at doing this. We're horrible at talking about feelings. And mm -hmm. I appreciate, you know, having friends like you that, you, you know, you're going to ask the question and I need to be able to give you the right answer. And to me, the answer is you have to deal with how people are feeling before mm -hmm. you can talk about the creative process. And sometimes we just want to skip to answering, oh, our creative process is that we do this, this, and this. I'm like, yeah, but how do you even get there? Yeah. <laughs> how do you even get your team to align around that? And I think that ties back into that whole idea of um, service. And in order to yes. truly serve, you have to truly hear and feel and see. That's right. right? You have to, it's all of it. Um, it's just like... Um, as you were saying, to get to that restorative place of feeling at ease and relaxed, in order to do it, you have to have, you have to tie in all of your senses. Absolutely. And to me, what we're hearing in our space is that people who can't afford health insurance, who can't afford to feed them, they just want to matter. It's like mm -hmm. Black Lives Matter. You know, people want to matter. People want to be seen. And to me, what's going to save our industry and really get us to the next level is the way that we recognize people. And it's every person. It's even the, you know, the person who makes the furniture. Like, what mm -hmm. is their story? Who are they? Right? I mean, the times that you go and travel and you spend with these individuals, right, is so important. And, it, and the energy is an extension, right? And it goes all the way to that room where, I mean, I've I mean, I, I know your work and I've stayed at places where I've seen your work and I know the power of your ability to listen to every aspect of the clients that you're working with to get to a place where mm -hmm. you've negotiated the full purpose of the integrity of the work. Yeah. And, and it's also in order for that to happen through the whole process of no matter what widget you're doing, it's you have to listen to the vision and tap into that vision and have a clear vision. Um, Marquise, what are some really awesome projects that you're working on? It doesn't have to be in hospitality. It could yeah. be anything out there. Like what's, what's getting you super jazzed right now? Well, we're working on a number of projects. And so, you know, on the open box side, what I'm excited about are some of the, the larger master planning projects that we're working on that allows us to go deeper with communities um, acknowledging who they are, acknowledging their footprint within this space that's being mm -hmm. redeveloped. Um, development doesn't need to be a, a dirty four-letter word. Um, it can be very inclusive. Um, I think one key lesson for anyone that's listening that may be an architect or a developer, it's save your renderings for the third date, right? And so you just talked about listening. When you bring renderings in, it automatically says that you're pretty much ahead of the game. And why are you asking me these questions? And it's really important because a lot of times I always say, are you listening or are you waiting to be heard? Right? And that's really, really important for the work that we do. Are you listening or are you just waiting to be heard? And when you come in with renderings um, on the first date, um, you're not there to listen. You're just there to be heard. And so the work that we're doing right now is allowing us to break that and go wider. And so we're, we're doing some great master planning work in a couple of different cities. Um, you know, we just finished the, the Bauhaus film um, with the open docks, which was really exciting and fun. So the story of Maholi Naj is the story basically when the Bauhaus left Germany and went to Chicago to, to eventually form the Institute of Design. And it was a really fun process for, for me, particularly a person of color um, going to Germany and spending a lot of time at the original Bauhaus and, and seeing and uncovering what was there and being able to go through the archives and being able to also present back, um, you know, Maholi's story um, to those that may not have heard the full story of what he did in Chicago. Um, and I was really excited and, and proud to be able to do that type of work. Um, and I'm a, you know, I'm a big Bauhaus nerd. So I really love 
loved being able to do that um, type of work. So those are a few of the projects that that we just finished or we're working on right now. Cool. Um, I wrote down save renderings for the third date. Yes. <laughs> I couldn't agree with you more. And I, actually, I have an episode coming up. I interviewed uh, Christian Giordano, who's the CEO of Mancini Duffy, their architecture design firm in New York City. He's great. But he said something really super cool <clears throat> where when they're doing renderings or presenting their, their schematics in yeah. the design development process, yeah. they put the price tag on the different architectural elements. So they'll have this beautiful rendering and then different options with the number there, which is, sounds really weird. But yeah. instead of doing this as they're doing it, someone else is watching the reaction of the clients and listening to that feedback and be like, okay, well, now we know that we're not going that direction, or now we know that this is so important, we'll spare no expense and head this direction. And I think if you can wow, kind of go and yeah, that transparency okay. and saving that vision for the third date and having it all there and continuing that transparency, I think that's like super powerful um, clarity for everyone. Yes, yes, it is. Mm. The development process is a, is a, it's a people process. And sometimes we think that it's just a process of, of moving things and coming with ideas and it's not, it's emotional. Mm. Uh, and we need to respect people and because ultimately we are building for people, not just building for building sake. And we have two of these and one of these, right? Exactly. <laughs> two to one ratio. It is a two to one ratio. <laughs> and so often we don't do that. And I mean, right. I, I'm guilty of it as well. And I got to really check myself often to make sure that I'm doing this and not yes. this. Uh, so Marquise, let's go back to the younger version of you at the Ramada doing folding towels, driving the bus, checking people in, getting people's bags, like doing the whole thing. You now approach yourself, the younger version of yourself. What advice do you give yourself? Slow down. It's going to happen. It's what I say to anyone that I'm mentoring and I love mentoring and I'm constantly telling them when I, what you hear from me is me telling my younger self is to slow down. It's going to happen. Right. And these ideas, the, the ideas of create the conditions to be surprised, meet the right people, mm -hmm. follow through on the simple things, enjoy your life. Like I, I was so serious and you know like constantly doing things you know in my younger and i'm glad i did those things um i i wish i would have slowed down more um and, and enjoyed the journey and now i'm at a place where i get what it means to enjoy the journey mm. yeah i love that journey but also in slowing down it's, it, I'm curious of, to, okay, I get the slowing down and being more present and mindful, but at the, but not at the expense of increasing or being around that proximity of luck and that density of network. Like, how do you balance those? It's, it is for me, when I look back, um, I did a really good job of meeting a lot of different people and doing mm -hmm. things. But I don't think, and again, like it's always 2020, right? We look back and I don't think that in your 20s, you're able to go deep. So I can go across, but it takes a certain age to go deeper. Mm. Life is about asking better questions, not answers, right? Who cares about answers? It's can you ask the better question? You and I, our relationship is based on the fact that we're good at asking questions. And each time that we've met, our relationship has gotten stronger because we ask better questions. It yeah. wasn't because you and I had the answers. But that takes us a certain level of maturity that someone in their 20s, there's no way they're going to get that concept. Even if they're listening to you and I talk right now, they're like, what are they even talking about? Right? And so, again, my advice to my younger self, it, it, it's almost mute because it, it couldn't even be done because when I say slow down, it's slow down and find depth, 
right? And that's what I, love- I, I wish I could have known how to do. Yeah, and the thing that I appreciate and I'm grateful with you in our friendship is just in asking those questions, there is a certain trust and comfort that, hey, you know what? I might ask the wrong question, but at least hear me and yeah. give me give me some gentle feedback of like, hey, this is let's navigate this this heavy yeah. issue, right? Yeah, yeah, no, and it's like, you know, the um, advice that you you gave when it came to you know the, the employees, um, like the feedback. Uh, what is the book that you gave us? Traction. Traction. Yes. Yes. Love it was great. That. It was great. You know, and the sharing back and forth um, with books and insight, and you know, the way you know, you you you've asked me about my assistant and chief of staff, and you know? all like each time. It's like we're entrepreneurs and people don't understand how lonely it is to be an entrepreneur, right? You don't have any colleagues. Um, no one at your office is ever going to tell you the full truth. No one. Yeah. No matter how much you think your buddies and you've drank, you know, had fun and laughed, they're never going to tell you the truth of everything, yeah. right? And so you need other entrepreneurs to actually hang out with and talk to that you can trust and that you can bounce things off of openly because at the end of the day, critique is a gift. Feedback mm-hmm. is a gift. Um, and the, the ability to provide feedback for each other, you know, even if it's just like you and I at the you know, 21st and 7th and just hanging out there for a quick moment because we passed each other as we're going separate ways, those quick moments were the proximity of luck of getting me to this place where I'm you know, in the industry having conversations with people like Larry and others and you have been very instrumental in, in helping to create that. And I, I really appreciate that. And that's what I mean by my younger self, I would say, slow down and find depth because it's been in the depth that has actually allowed me to scale to new heights. Well, you're making me blush, first of all. <laughs> Se- second of all, uh, yeah, it's on my someday maybe list. I will have a chief of staff someday because I just think that that is such an important role. Yeah. and. I, it's, it elevates that of an assistant to a chief of staff, which is yeah. just incredible. I mean, it's, it's so much more and it, it just, it helps increase that proximity of luck because you're in your zone of genius more. Yes. Right. Yes. You're having those connections. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, that's, you know, when you talk about finding that moment of creativity through contemplation, it's having someone like a chief of staff that, that you know certain things are going to be taken care of mm-hmm. because we're entrepreneurs we're, we're daydreaming like i need to work 12 to 15 months ahead of the team mm-hmm. if i'm always in month like now to six months and i never get the vision past a year we're in trouble we're in big trouble mm-hmm. <laughs> because you know 12 to 15 months goes fast oh it's a blink of an eye a and blink uh of an eye yeah, and it's really important to really stay in that vision because if you have your vision, which I know you have, everyone else can be in alignment with you and you're, yeah. you're, you're changing the world. We're all changing the world in our own way, yeah. um, but it's but all about having that, yeah, but it's that inspiration. Inspired. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. I mean, you're, what you do every day is inspire your staff. That's what I do. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I need to be ahead to that, that vision. I keep, need to keep pushing it out 12, 24 months, what we're going to mm-hmm. do in the next three years meeting with people like yourself and others and hearing the exciting new things that are coming down the pipeline, right? Mm-hmm. And then integrating some of those pieces into the day-to-day, but then growing and growing and, and stretching my team. But I can't do that if I don't have the space. Yeah. And, and again, it's that clean white space, that creative space. Yeah. We need that. Absolutely. Cool. Um, well, Marquise, I, as I said, like, I'm just grateful that we're friends at, you, you inspire me and I'm just excited for you on your journey into this industry and your continued journey into this industry. And if people are looking for you, how can they connect with you and your team? Yeah, I mean, they can go to openbox website, opnbx.com. I'm also on LinkedIn. I'm always open to connecting with people on that. And um, yeah, they can you know always reach out. Um, we have a hello at openbox email as well. 
Um, but I'm pretty, if you just quickly Google me or Google us here, it's pretty easy to find. And then, or they can just hit you up, Dan, because you know exactly how to reach me. <laughs> I know where to find you. you I'll always find you. You cannot escape me. <laughs> exactly. So, but um, I, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I mean, I always enjoy our, our, our talks and conversations and I always learn so much from you. And again, I just want to say thank you for helping to, to you know, bring me into this industry in a more meaningful way at, at a, a way of depth. And your network is, is amazing. And I really appreciate and respect that. And, um, you know, the way that you answer emails and text messages and the way that we're able to go back and forth, I really appreciate, um, you know, the integrity that you have with, with your work. So thank you. Well, now I'm gone. I've gone from blushing to tearing up. <laughs> no, Marquise, thank you. Um, seriously, I'm so grateful to call you a friend and thank you. Absolutely, no problem. Uh, and thank you to everyone listening. And I, again, I hope this talk evolves your view on how to deliver hospitality and what hospitality means, because there's not a specific definition. It's this whole nebulous idea and feeling and empathy. And if this has changed your journey or your perspective, please share the podcast with others. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Marquise. Goodbye.